He is our covering, not for us only, but for the whole world. The Lamb's blood became the covering for the households of Israel. They were to take it, and it's kind of weird to us, to take some hyssop, use the hyssop as a paintbrush, dip it into the Lamb's blood, cover it on the doorposts on both sides and on the lintel of the house. But the blood is significant. The blood is significant. It's because we must, just as they had to apply the blood on the two doorposts and the lintel of their house, we have to apply the blood of Jesus Christ by faith to the entry point of our lives, our very hearts. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round and it's taking you for a ride. You've got to let go and let go. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. So Exodus chapters 11 and 12, we're coming to that final plague, the 10 plagues that God sent to Egypt in order that the Egyptians would force Israel out of their land and to take the very hard heart of Pharaoh that he would plea with Moses and Aaron to take their people out. That will happen in our study tonight. So the Bible tells us, verses 1 through 5, Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months, and it shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth day of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for the household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next door, (laughs) I threw the door in there, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to his number of persons, according to each man's need, that you may make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it from the sheep or from the goats." And so here it is, the month of Nisan, and on the 10th day, they were to take a lamb, to set aside a lamb, a lamb for every household, if the household was too small. And how did you judge if a household was too small or not? Well, Lily and I, and uh, if we had our son and daughter and their families all together, we probably... I doubt if we could all consume a lamb. It would have to be a small lamb. 
And so you judged it by the size of the lamb, you know, how much lamb do you get? About eight ounces of lamb meat for each person. Maybe a good judge on that. Some of the guys may be wanting 16 ounces, but the idea, they were to consume the whole animal in one night and not leave anything remaining in the morning. And so that judged it, a lamb for every household or households as they might combine together, the smaller households. But also the lamb was to be a male. He was to be without blemish. He was to be of the first year. And they could take this lamb from either the lamb or a goat, and this animal coming from either a lamb or a goat. So the 10th of Nisan, the beginning of months for them, this was their religious calendar, the beginning of the religious calendar with the feast of Passover. They would set aside the lamb on the 10th day and then sacrifice or kill the lamb on the 14th day. And then following the feast of Passover, they would be the feast of unleavened bread from Nisan 15th through the 21st. And then following that on the 21st, the feast of first fruits. And so this would become a a big month of celebration for Israel with three feast days in one month. And we think it's something to have Christmas in one month. But they had the feast of Passover, the feast of unleavened bread, and the feast of first fruits, where they just combined all of this worship of the Lord God into eight days of worship. Now, because, and this has been a question, it it rolls around, maybe in March, people start asking in April for sure, because Easter is in April this year. Why does the date for Easter always fluctuate? It's because we are following the Jewish calendar. We're following the instructions that God gave to Moses to give to the children of Israel, and they follow a lunar calendar calendar. And so a cycle of 30 days, they don't have 31. In fact, they don't have a leap year, they have leap month. And so sometimes you'll see in the Jewish calendar, Nisan 1 and Nisan 2. And so they make up for the years and days and months kind of getting a little bit off track like we do with leap year. They do it by just adding uh, extra month every once in a while, and in the month of Nisan. Some believe that the taking of the lamb on the 10th and the killing of the lamb on the 14th speaks of Jesus's three plus years of ministry. Some would say that Jesus didn't minister for three years, but closer to four years. I would say that it was between three and four years by just looking at the Gospels. But when John the Baptist introduced Jesus, our memory verse for this month, John 1.29, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Three years later, Jesus came in his triumphal entry, and the people cried out singing in Matthew 23.39, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus is the Lamb of God who is without spot and without blemish. And so Jesus, they took a lamb that was a year old. Jesus, I would say, in the prime of his life, without spot, without blemish. 
First Peter 1, 18 and 19, the Bible tells us that we were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by the traditions of your fathers. So you don't become redeemed by purchasing your salvation, by keeping the traditions of your fathers, your forefathers. Well, I'm a Christian. My mom and dad were Christians and my grandparents were Christians, so I guess I'm a Christian too. You're not redeemed by those things. We are redeemed when we receive by faith Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We are redeemed, 1 Peter 1, 19, by the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without spot or blemish. Verses 6 through 10, Now you shall keep it, the lamb, keep it until the 14th day of the same month, then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel will kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on two doorposts and on the lintel of their houses where they eat it. And they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire, with unleavened bread, with bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat it raw, nor boil it at all with water, but roast it in fire its head, its legs, its entrails. You shall let none of it remain until morning, and what remains in the morning you shall burn with fire. So, unlike Thanksgiving or Christmas or Easter, no leftovers on this one. You couldn't have a nice lamb sandwich the next day. It was forbidden. The children of Israel noticed this, though. What did God say? Every household take a lamb. But when he talks about killing the Passover lamb, it was no longer many lambs, it's one lamb. He says the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel, verse 6, shall kill it at twilight. And then they should take its blood and paint it on the lintel and doorpost of their homes. Not a bone was to be broken. Not any of it was to remain until morning. That which was remain was to be burned up. They were not even to carry any of its flesh outside the house, as it says later on in Exodus twelve forty six. nor to break one of its bones. And each household taking a lamb, there were many lambs killed on that night, and yet God commanded when the lambs were killed, he spoke of it in a singular tense. He said, and you shall kill it. The Bible tells us in 1 John 2, 2, that he himself is our propitiation, not for ours only, but for the whole world. Propitiation in the Greek, it refers to our covering. He is our covering, not for us only, but for the whole world. The lamb's blood became the covering for the households of Israel. They were to take it, and it's kind of weird to us, to take some hyssop, use the hyssop as a paintbrush, dip it into the lamb's blood, cover it on the doorposts on both sides and on the lintel of the house. Some have related that to the cross itself. I can't quite get that far with it. But the blood is significant. The blood is significant. It's because we must, just as they had to apply the blood on the two doorposts and the lintel of their house, we have to apply the blood of Jesus Christ by faith to the entry point of our lives, our very hearts. 
1 John 1, 7 says, And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. The lamb was to be roasted in fire, eaten with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. When speaking about the Passover meal, one author stated this, The Passover lamb was to be undivided or whole, so that neither the head nor the thighs were cut off, and not a bone was broken. As the roasting no doubt took place on a spit, by boiling the integrity of the animal would be destroyed. It was to be roasted in order that it might be placed upon the table undivided and essentially unchanged. And perhaps that roasting, the enduring of the fire, reminds us of the cross and the suffering that Jesus received there on Calvary, as Luke 23:33 tells us, when they had come to that place called Calvary, there they crucified him. As we go through the accounts of Jesus' death, we learn that not a bone of his was broken in fulfillment of what Scripture says here in this passage. The unleavened bread speaks about the sinless life of Jesus Christ, that he was without sin when we Think of the bitter herbs. It reminds us of the bitterness, yes, of Israel there in the land of Egypt, but also for Christ, the bitterness of his suffering there upon the cross. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 4.15, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. And Paul would later write for us as believers saying, in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, Therefore, purge out the old leaven, that you may be made a new lump, since truly you are unleavened, for indeed Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. We're going to come back to this leaven in a moment as he will go on to describe the Passover meal in a little more detail. So I'm going to come back to the leaven, but there is a relationship of this Passover lamb. You shall kill it, singular, apply its blood, and the Lord would then cause the destroyer to pass over the house. And we're going to see one of the great Passover verses in the Gospel of John here in a moment. But let's keep reading verses 11 through 14. And the word tells us, And thus you shall eat it with your belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Remember, we've been uh, talking about this as we've gone through the 10 plagues and all these, the complete list of all the Egyptian gods, they worshiped everything. And God's judgment came against the gods of Egypt, on all the gods of Egypt. Now the blood, verse 13, shall be assigned to you. For on your house where you are, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague will not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day it shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout 
your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. So God here not only gives them the feast of Passover, he instructs them how to eat this meal, ready to go, belt on, sandals on, staff in your hand, got your jacket on, ready to go to eat quickly. You're going to be leaving soon. But also to keep it, to teach it to your children. I've mentioned these feast days. Uh, two from Scripture that we keep as Christians, that of celebrating Easter, our Lord's sacrifice, that of celebrating Christmas, our Lord's birth. And we do both of these in remembrance. And you never know. Uh, this year at Christmas Eve service, my sister and some of her family, my sister wasn't there because she was sick, but her kids still showed up. When Papa John makes pizza... People come. And uh, I was making pizza that night, and out of habit, I guess I'd never done it before. We were standing in our kitchen, and the pizzas were starting. There was a lot of people there, so I made a lot of pizzas. And so you had to get them as they were coming out of the oven. But before we started eating, I just grabbed hands and got ready for praying. And we prayed, and then I think my niece or Nephew, one of them said, we've never done that before. What's that? Hold hands when we pray. They've been coming to our house for a long time. I guess I've never done that before. It's, I said, well, it's kind of habit for us when we eat a meal. And we've done that, Lily and I. I don't know when we started. I'm sure when we had our babies. Somewhere in there. And maybe even before, we started holding hands and praying. We do it at restaurants. Kevin, I, and our grandsons were at, uh, last year, last summer, we were at Little Country Buffet. The girls were out doing something. So I took the boys out for dinner. And uh, prior to the meal, got the hands all held up, all guys. And the waitress came up afterwards and said, that's what's going to save this country. Not all this other garbage that's going on right now in the middle of everything that was going on last year. And we just do that. These are things that we can pass on to our kids. We can teach our kids, uh, talk about Christmas, talk about Easter. And here in the United States, Thanksgiving is a time that we can celebrate, which is uh, not a technically a biblical holiday, but it's one that's based on giving thanks to the God of the Bible. So we can pass these things on to our children. They were to teach these. And from this time until now, faithful Jews continue to celebrate the Passover in their homes and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. These things are not forgotten to this day. But it was only those who had the blood painted on their house. God said every household in Israel, none of their people would die. So it tells me that everyone in Israel listened and obeyed. They painted the blood on, uh, did just as God said. The warning went forth. I mean, even the Egyptians and the Israelis, they had seen, if you want to count Moses' rod turning in the snake, they've already seen 10 things happen. And this was going to be an 11th 
10 plagues, technically. And I think by now you might say, yeah, let's, let's do what God says. Anyone who painted the blood on their house. And the Bible tells us later that when they went out, a mixed multitude went with them. So I have to believe that there were some who painted the blood, even though they were not Israeli. And they would end up causing Israel some troubles. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 1, 7, that we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, according to the riches of his grace. And from that time forward, Israel would keep the Passover as a memorial of God's passing over and delivering their people. And in a similar way today, we keep communion to commemorate Jesus' work upon the cross. As Paul wrote for us in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-four and 25, and then he gave thanks and he broke it the bread and said, take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, this is the cup of my new covenant. In my blood, this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so we commemorate the work of Jesus Christ there upon the cross by keeping the Lord's Supper, the communion meal that we have here at the church. And then the unleavened bread. And we're going to talk about leaven here. As I said, we come back to that verses 15 through 20. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses. For whoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh, that person shall be cut off. When the Bible talks about someone being cut off, especially here in the Old Testament, it usually meant cut off, death. It's a nice way of saying it, but they should be cut off. So they would clean the leaven out of their houses. On the first day, there shall be a holy convocation. On the seventh day, there shall be a holy convocation for you. So like the Sabbath day, no manner of work should be done on them that everyone must eat that which is only prepared by you. So you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For on that same day, I will have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall observe this day throughout your generations as an everlasting ordinance. In the first day of the month, on the 14th day of the month at evening, you shall eat the unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month that evening. Seven days, no leaven shall be found in your houses, since whoever eats what is leavened, that same person shall be cut off from the congregation, whether he is a stranger or a native in the land. You shall eat nothing leavened in all your dwellings. You shall eat unleavened bread. And so the first and the seventh day, those feasts of unleavened bread, during that time, there was that day of Sabbath. It would be just like it was a Sabbath day to them. They were not to do any manner of work on the first and the seventh day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. During the feast, their whole house would be swept clean of leaven. Now, leaven, it's used to make dough rise, as we know. It is an influence that affects gradual change. Symbolically, in the Bible, it's seen as a type of evil or sin throughout the Bible. 
And with the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, it was to mark this feast, mark the departure of Israel from Egypt. And so they were to have this unleavened bread. And as we know, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. 1 Corinthians 5, 7. Since truly you are unleavened, for indeed Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. So this relates to the purity of Jesus Christ ultimately in the sinless life of Christ. Father, we thank you for this evening, for your word. Exodus chapter 12, Lord, what an important chapter in the Bible, explaining so much detail regarding the Passover lamb, which, Lord Jesus, you came in fulfillment of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I pray, Lord, as believers, we would teach these things to our children. And Lord, if you should tarry, that they in turn would teach them to their children. Just as faith has been passed on to us, help us to pass it on to others. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today. And may the Lord richly bless you as you worship him today.